This is episode 17 of The New Normal with Sal and Quentin and returning guest, the Trent Cannon. We had an impromptu Facebook Live that we decided to turn into a podcast. And in this particular episode, we discussed a lot about the Trump rally that just passed. But during this live, it was that week. So we hope you enjoy and get some takeaways. And uh, be sure to subscribe on iTunes. We are supported by Mammoth Fuel. Mammoth Fuel Bars were created with people like you in mind using only natural ingredients and zero artificial junk. We took no shortcuts in developing this highly functional and portable fuel bar. What are the benefits, you may ask? Portable on-the-go fuel, post-workout recovery, boost cognitive function, aids in weight loss, anti-inflammatory, and low sugar. With 13 grams of protein and only 4 net carbs, Mammoth Fuel is the perfect meal, snack, and energy bar where you'd like to go. Try Mammoth Fuel at mammothfuel.com. Welcome to the new normal, where we're talking current events, finances, philosophy, preparedness, and more. My name is Sal, and with me as always is my good friend, Quentin. Each week we dive into those various topics and bring you an inspiring person or message to navigate the world with a positive mindset in this new normal. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now, here we go. This is an impromptu live video, which I almost didn't make. I needed to mentally recharge and uh, got some got some good recharging done through. A Our incompetence has allowed you a recharge. <laughs> that's that's usually how it works. That's usually how it works. Um, so if you're if you're just now joining us live, I appreciate you. Um, want to thank you guys. I know it's ten thirty at night. I want to acknowledge my sweet, endearing wife who's laying next to me in bed, having to hear all of this. Uh, so I am wearing headphones for her sake, but uh, I'll try to keep my voice down as well. So thank you for joining us once again for a Facebook Live event impromptu. We have with us, joining us, the Trent Cannon. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, my What's brother. And, and with us, as always, is Quentin. And I guess if you if you both want to kind of set up the the premise of this particular episode or this particular live uh, stream, um, we're calling this Trump's Hail Mary, Trump's political gamble or the biggest political Hail Mary. So, yeah, set me so up. Trent, Trent called me last night and he said, hey, the biggest story not being talked about is the Trump rally. And I said, yeah, that's a, it's Trump's Hail Mary, you know? And I'm going to let Trent lead with this one because he actually makes some really good points and he had a really good monologue on his original Facebook live. And we'll just start discussing it from there. Well, thank you, my brother. First, I want to say, uh, God bless your wonderful wife, Sal, because, uh, like mine, she, as political junkies, she puts up with our BS. So, um, we'll try to make this short, but Get right to the point. Everybody wants to talk about race and how black people hate white people and, you know, this and that and the other um, and protest and rioting and COVID. But the real true, and it's a COVID story. The, the biggest story right now is Trump holding 20,000 people in Tulsa 
days from now. And it's not being talked about nearly enough because for me, and, and correct, I could be wrong, but there has been no mass gathering since March in the United States or really anywhere in the first world, as we call it. Um, not, not, not even in Switzerland or China that I'm aware of. Has there been anybody of mass gathering, you know, outside a few churches? But definitely not 20,000 people in an auditorium. And if this works, I'm not a big Trump fan, but if this works, I would almost say being down 15 points, you're dead politically. But if this works, he will probably get reelected. And I would have trouble not voting for him because he would be right. So I've seen a couple of stories now at this point where like there's been a million requests and, and the last number I saw was 800,000 people were looking to get into this political rally. And I'm assuming I haven't, I haven't followed up too much on this particular story, but that's, that's where I've left off as is there's 800,000 requests, nearly a million um, who want to attend this rally. Now, like many of us have been doing over the last three months, President Trump obviously has the tools and the, the capacity to do a virtual town hall or do some sort of virtual rally. But what you're saying is that, you know, the fact that we've had all of these protests, the fact that we've had, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people showing up to um, political rallies in, in their own right, um, setting up the chaz or, you know, going to these these other protests, you know, it, this is truly an organized political rally where we are trying to get Trump supporters and, and most likely Trump haters, which will then just magnify that number, multiply that number. So if there's 20,000 people showing up, let's just be, you know, generous and say half of that um, show up as, as anti-Trump. So you've got the 20,000 supporters then you got 10,000 anti-Trump. Mm -hmm. So now you've got 30, almost 40, 50,000 people showing up in this one, one place in Tulsa. What does that do for the narrative? It's, I mean, like Trent said, I mean, if it works out, basically what we talked about last night is if, if it works out and very few people get sick from this, right, amid COVID or there's very little violence, it's a win. Even if people die, if, if few people die, it's a win. I'm of the opinion that Trent is correct. I also think this is probably one of the most unethical or unethical moves in political history, maybe. It, it, it's up there. I mean, it's up there with like, I don't know, like the bonus army getting put down in Washington or something like that. It, it, it's up there. And I, I think, I, but I have to agree with Trent. If, if, it, if it's success, I, I don't see how he doesn't start having rallies and gatherings and continue to compete with Biden. How he's losing in the polls to Biden by such a large margin is beyond me. I'm really not a big fan of either one of these guys at the moment politically. I got to be honest, but Biden's like, we all know, like no matter who gets elected president in 2020, Joe Biden won't really be in charge. Like, you know, right. So the, the fact, I mean, seriously, I mean, he, he, he won't really be the president. So the fact that he's, he's even having to compete with Biden shows there's been some serious problems. And, and, and obviously we've had a rough year. Um, I think I've talked about on the show, you know, I, I think that he was either ill-advised or ill-prepared Ill or both to COVID. And 
you know, he didn't lose, he didn't win the popular vote by much. Wasn't it like under 200,000 votes that he- he 77,000 votes. 77,000. Well, I can promise you that the majority of those elderly 100,000 people that have died voted. They're gone. They're gone. And it would have been very smart of him to take COVID more seriously initially and do what his knee-jerk reaction was, which was to close the whole country, just to protect his electorate. He didn't do that. He He lost- he lost a significant portion of his electorate due to COVID. Well, not a significant portion, but en- enough to matter in, in the, the election. And so I don't see how he goes forward without doing something like this, especially that we've, we've had, you know, people say, oh, he's been benevolent with the, the riots. You know, most people center left, they don't like them. They don't like the riots. Uh, they, they wish somebody would have put the riots down. Um, and a lot of people on the left feel like that. It's really just people on the far left that have been okay with it. And I think he could have gotten a lot of swing voters or he could have won over a lot of center left people, people if he showed hard leadership and, and made the right decisions and early on in both these circumstances. And I'm not trying to sound like a Trump hater. I'm really not. But, but these have been critical errors. And I don't see a path forward without him holding his Trump style rallies. And there may still not be one. Well, there's, there's such a false, false sense of loyalty when it comes to any political candidate when when we talk about you know criticizing president trump or criticizing anybody who's in charge like we have to all of a sudden agree with 100 of everything that this one individual like i don't know anybody right it's it's who so agrees absurd 100 and, it, and no. it is absurd and it's a huge toss-up it really is a huge just coin flip at this point this this political rally like to to your point a whole bunch of people show up and they do get sick and then the left has a narrative see trump decided to go ahead and, and put uh, his political rally ahead of people's lives. Now, so many people, the, the numbers have spiked in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I guarantee you, not everyone from Tulsa is going to that rally. It's going to be people coming in. I don't so, know that they win that narrative war, though. Trump, uh, Trent's got a really good take on it. And I, I don't know that they necessarily win that narrative war. I think Trent can elaborate on that. Yeah, well, back to first of all, back to what you said, Quentin. The coronavirus is not going to affect Trump's base because half the people that died were black and the other half were New York and New Jersey, which weren't states he was going to win in. You, you have a point. You have a point there. I so, mean, but but I, eventually the virus does spread it, 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 in a second wave. It will be nationwide. It's already nationwide. And then that's when his base takes a hit. And that happens before the election. That was basically my point. Which is why this is an even bigger play, which is why I Oklahoma, agree. Ruby red, Oklahoma, Tulsa. Not a single county has gone blue in Oklahoma in, I think, 20 years. Yeah. And it has not very been affected by the virus at, at all, which is what makes this an even larger issue is now you're bringing the virus to Ruby Red State and Ruby Red State with people the not wearing the mask. And it's going to be amazing if we have very few cases very few people die it could literally bring back the nfl with fans you have to understand if you start bringing back sports with fans starting with the nfl if trump proves that hey we can we can have arrowhead stadium filled up with you know 65,000 people we can fill up reliant stadium houston with 70,000 people and you know two or three people die NFL fans are going to take the risk. And it's it's just a it's 
it's it's such a a great moment. I, and when I say great, I mean the size. And I'm not trying to be crude, but the no, the size, scope of it is awesome. The size of Trump's balls <laughs> to do this. I mean, they are to to ignore the best scientists in the world. Okay, I mean, in the world where no one else is doing this. And he says, I don't care what you say. There are not many people, even Putin or autocratic presidents like in Brazil that would attempt. It's amazing. Really amazing. Yeah, I agree. And I, I don't know. I, you know, I said at the beginning, Sal, you, you, you remember uh, of the podcast that we are going to probably find out just how much life is worth in the United States. Mm-hmm. during this pandemic and look i'm I'm not completely one way or another about the pandemic we've got a lot of conflicting information out there i do err on the side of caution i, I care about people uh, human life's important to me um but we've got a lot of uh, conflicting information but if this goes wrong and and look the first wave people can say uh, you know this is just the first wave very few people have died the first wave of the spanish flu killed hundreds of people in this country hundreds okay and they were they were doing clinical diagnosis, and anybody with the sniffles at some point had the Spanish flu. And I guess that makes it even more deadly if you think about it, because a lot of people could have been misdiagnosed. But still, the first wave killed hundreds of people, right? And we weren't as densely populated. It came back, and it, it was a real problem. I'm not saying that we're going to have that problem this time, but we could, and epidemiologists and virologists know that we could have this problem. They know that that's a potentiality. And we're rolling the dice with a lot of stuff right now. This move... You know, if if we find out that the price of human life is literally our leaders getting elected and, you know, profit for big box, we have, you know, a lot of these marches, people are, are you know, they are, they are BLM protests. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of anti-capital demonstrations associated with these protests and mainly with the riots. The riots are very much anti-capital, I would say. Yeah. And man, are you going to add fuel to that fire? If things go sideways and it was all for votes and big box, I mean, and, and that's and that's that's a very simple and, and kind of dumbed down take, you know, and it's more nuanced than that. But a lot of people, that's how they're going to see it. So where do we go from here, though? I mean, when, when it comes to some of the just downright conflicting information, I mean, just yesterday I shared a story in the UK where people were being counted twice for having COVID, right? So people who tested positive once, their test was just replicated or duplicated. And so it showed up as a double positive. And so that obviously is inflating. We've been saying this for, for the last month, the numbers aren't accurate. They're either too high or too low. There's no really in the middle. It's, it's one or the other. They're too high. I will say, I read I read the same thing, and it's hard to tell whether these people were counted twice or if they did test positive again. So, which which is possible, and depending on the strain that you get, is even more likely than others. You know, some strains it's like you're just not going to test positive again, but some you can have some sort of latent positive. So, I, I don't know. I, do you do you know for sure if they were just it was a, an accounting error, if it was like you know potentially they were positive twice? Well, even if they were. We tested a goat and the goat came back positive. No, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I, I mean, it's, it's, some of the tests are extremely flawed, you know. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't matter at this point how many people have it. Um, no, enough have it that it's a problem. 
and and, and having a rally is, it, it, it is doesn't matter if 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 five million we're we're past the statistical point i I've, i deal with statistics a lot and you get past the point where like it doesn't matter if that number says two million or five million people are blind to it but they do yeah. look at they do look at milestone numbers so forty thousand people in in england have died and if you're a family member of one of those forty thousand or a friend of one of those forty thousand it means a lot to you and that's a lot of people and so when it hits you know fifty thousand in england will be a big deal like a hundred thousand was a huge deal to us our next thing will be a hundred and fifty then two hundred thousand that's how you start to think when you start individualizing numbers it doesn't matter if Five million people end up testing positive, or ten million people end up testing positive. It's how many people end up with it fatally, uh, and how many people you end up knowing that are, are affected by it. That's truly going to matter. Yeah, and, and you've been personally affected by COVID. You know, I, not to get into your personal life, but I mean, you have, and I, I know you have. You yeah. know, so so I mean, that that and the thing is, is what's really sad is the rally, the, the way it occurs and the way the virus, you know, incubates and everything, it won't affect enough people to where it really hurt Trump's popularity or his approval rating, right? It, it'll, it'll be too little too late. So, if, I mean, if this it's not going to cause the second wave, that second wave has been in the making for a while. But if this contributes to it, number one, he doesn't have to worry about these people voting for him again after this next, next time. And number two, its contribution to the greater, you know, spread of the virus is pretty probably pretty negligible honestly i mean because we like oklahoma's never really taken the virus that seriously to begin with i, I agree well thank you for mentioning my my uncle carl did die uh i'm sorry man uh no 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 I, i'm glad you mentioned it uh uh he did die up in uh michigan a great man my aunt uh elaine in ohio uh who at the 10 the young age of 80 is just recovering from it uh thankfully she got out of the hospital last week and she's actually That's doing it. so um it, it has been it's been dramatic uh for for a lot of people but it hasn't been dramatic it's been dramatic in places like michigan it's been dramatic in places like new jersey and new york and and new orleans and i hate to say this but that's dramatic for blue places yeah. it hasn't been as dramatic in red places and i hate unfortunately that's where we're at where we are at the point where we divide up blue state red state and we haven't seen anything really propagate yet i mean there's some few places like alabama there's been a few here and there in florida where it's really propagated to a a, in a magnitude where we need to be worried about it in a red state and it'll, it'll be something if it does because uh, if I live in South Texas, uh, my wife works for a, a hospital group down there. Um, in South Texas, there's people don't realize this. There's a million and a half people in South Texas. So yeah. South Texas, which is um, McAllen to South Padre, Brownsville, um, you have essentially the same amount of people as you have in Metro uh, Round Rock, Austin, um, which is about 1.7 million people. There are only 323 ICU beds. So I know I have friends in, in South Texas possibly watching. The problem with having it in Cameron and Hidalgo County, which are two of the poorest counties in the nation, though there's a lot of wealth down there as well. The problem with having it down there is not only do you not have the, 
the health coverage that you need, you know, from a monetary standpoint, because that's a big factor nobody talks about. But if you have 10,000 cases in a place like Cameron County, it's going to be it's a serious deal. It's going to be a disaster. It'll be an absolute disaster. You'll see the military back down there in a heartbeat because and people don't realize how the Rio Grande Valley is, is actually uh, pretty heavily populated. It's densely populated. It's not a lot spread out. You go from far to McAllen and, you know, it's just, you, you, you wouldn't even know it. And it, yeah. it's people stacked on people just like Houston or, or, you know, it's not as big as Houston, give it, but it, it's really similar to suburban Houston. Yeah. And it, it, it's it, the infrastructure down there. Uh, well, frankly, I mean, the, honestly, the areas, the areas got good infrastructure and it's a relatively clean area. And it's, it actually does pretty well during flu season and stuff like that, but it, it's just not as prepared as someplace in the state like Houston, where there's a huge medical infrastructure, like the medical center, right? you know, and, right. and that's one of Houston's bread and butter is medicine. And it, they just don't have that down there. Um, but poor Mexico, those poor guys are are getting hammered down there right now with COVID and it's a, it's a disaster. So, I mean, it it would, it wouldn't be hard. I mean, it's, it's not going to be anywhere the same in the Valley because the infrastructure is so much better and they have so many more qualified people to treat uh, patients, but it it could be, it could be the worst place in the state if it gets out of hand someplace like that. Yeah. Yeah. A Dodge city, Kansas, a Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, you know, some spots in Nebraska, some spots in, in Iowa, if you were to have a major outbreak, that they, they don't have anything to cover cover this. So going yeah. back to the rally, the, the fact that this is happening on, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if the date has changed, but he's having this on Juneteenth? No, June 20th now. He's moved it, moved it today. Okay. So there was a lot of talk and a lot of rhetoric around him being tone deaf to the fact that we're having these BLM protests, that these uh, racial divides are stronger than ever, all the epitaphs that you hear about the the black and white uh, murder rates and all of that. And the fact that he was going to have this rally on on June 19th, now it's June 20th, but at this point, that thought has already been cemented in people's minds that he's just tone deaf and we're, we're facing quote unquote, huge racial divides because of white cops killing black men. And, and yet we've got a million people that want to show up to this rally. What does that say? What does that say about Trump supporters? Well, let me ask Trent this, you know, I, and this is a, just an honest question. Uh, Juneteenth is huge in Texas. You know, obviously there's a reason why Juneteenth is big in Texas. Is it, is it very big in the black community outside of Texas? I don't know. Not really. I mean, I now, so. it is, now it is, it's gotten bigger over the past few years i'd say 10 years because more people know about it but right growing up in california i didn't know what the hell juneteenth was and frankly neither did trump <laughs> you know so yeah. trump was tone deaf it's, it's somebody on the planning party didn't read the history books and think about you know think about does this make any sense for us or maybe they did they thought oh this would be great for us um to be in tulsa which also has the 1921 massacre, which on top of that. Um, on yeah, the- that I was like, I thought to me personally, that was like the most tone deaf thing was the Tulsa yeah. riots. I was like, mm, with everything mm. going on and then Juneteenth and then Tulsa riots on top of that, we're approaching the 100th anniversary of that. That seems like somebody was just completely unaware of what they were doing at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's because you hired the best people there. <laughs> 
Somebody should have said, hey, well, why don't we just do it right before July 4th? You know, we'll have a big What you've got is his most trusted advisor is his son-in-law, which is a New York billionaire's kid. Why would he ever know? I mean, we might as well have had it on 420 on Hitler's birthday. (laughs) Is that Hitler's birthday? I smoked it at. Jared, Jared, uh, right there. (laughs) Jared Jared Kushner, and a lot of people don't know this. The Kushners are are some of the biggest Democrat donors of all time. They are. Jared (laughs) was a Democrat. Like he is a Democrat. I mean. I mean, you essentially, I tell people all this time, you just, they're like, oh, Trump is the best conservative. I was like, he doesn't even know if he's conservative. He's he doesn't. Just, he's, just, he's just doing stuff that gets him votes. So Kushner is a huge, huge liberal. That's why prison reform got done. It is. Um, Trump and, did. That wasn't his idea. That was yeah. Kushner and Ivanka's idea. Because that yeah. was important to them because they're huge Democrats. Yeah, and it, it, it is. And it, it's just, it's laughable to me. And some liberals get mad about everything. I'm like, dude, Trump is doing some of the best liberal stuff that you guys have been asking for for years. So it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's I Look just, at the Supreme Court ruling today. I mean, well, that wasn't, he didn't want I know that. that he didn't do that, but, you know, he pointed a guy that got it done. I mean, ultimately, if it hadn't been for, if for Gorsuch being on the bench, it probably wouldn't have happened. I, I hope later to talk about, you know, when a little bit, when all this is over, how left this country is. I mean, this, this country is, has been liberal and it's the most liberal country in the world. I think yeah, it'd be more it fair really to say, is. it'd be more fair to say progressive at this point. It, it, no, it's, it's neoliberal at its core. I mean, because classical liberalism ultimately begot neoliberalism. And that's, that's where we're at now. And, and neoconservatism is just a different dialectic of neoliberalism. I mean, ultimately, I agree completely. I mean, progressivism, progressivism had actually probably more natural conservatism built into it at the time. It was an institutionally very racist movement, if you think about it. And it was very insular and progressive. What we're, what we're labeling progressive now is, in effect, just neoliberalism. Like to its to its like most full expression, and that's my personal opinion. I don't I don't know. I I would I don't know enough. I, I I'll say this: the radical Republicans in the eighteen sixties were liberals. Uh, yeah, the, the, they were the suffrage movement of of the of the early nineteen hundreds was li- a liberal movement. Um, other than the prohibition period. You really haven't had conservative conservatism win any major battles in really in the ninth since the nineteenth century because everything since the civil rights movement has moved to the left. Um, you know, uh, I mean, the last real bastion of any fight is is abortion um, because I, I at this point I don't even know what else you can add to liberalism. It, you could defund the police departments. I mean, well, the abortion. Yeah, no, truly. The abortion yeah. argument has always baffled me. because It's like, that's over and that's never going back. Like, you're not going to convince the country to have a, a congressional, um, you know, convention to to repeal that. That's that's no. done. And no. and uh, so that's like just a, that's just like red meat to throw the, the Republican base. But that that's never happening. And it's sad that a lot of people get hung up arguing that. And, and I, I'm not actually, I, I am, I'm not going to say what I am. It doesn't really matter, but I, I, I understand, I understand the pro-life movement. I completely understand. 
And, but the thing is, is it's like, that's a hill that you already died on. That's, that's yeah. over. And, yeah. and uh, I don't know, the, the whole country is, is very leftist. You're correct. And I was having a conversation with a conservative the other day who was saying that small government is conservative. And I said, brother, small government is liberal. That's, <laughs> that's not a conservative thing. That's a very libertine thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, uh, it, it basically, if you don't know what small government is, uh, you know, and this is the same type of person that's like, no, I don't want to defund the police. And it's like, well, how illiberal of you. And, <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, you don't want to defund the yeah. police, but you're saying you want small government, bro. I don't know what to tell you, you know? Yeah. And, and so I, I just, uh, you know, I, I think I, I would agree with you. I mean, the country has moved very left. And, and not not every not every form of, of liberalism or conservatism is healthy. Like we need a more centrist approach. We need to really start thinking about things before we just let emotions take over and dictate the way we run the government. Well, that's why tribalism is so dangerous is because we, we put ourselves naturally into these tribes. And if and if anything goes against it, we set ourselves up for cognitive dissonance. When we hear anything yeah. that opposes yeah. and we know it's right, like, oh, I, I could agree with something like that, but it goes against my base. It goes against right. my <laughs> Yeah. Like, I've, I've, heard, I've heard it said, and, and to, to a certain degree, I agree with most of this. I, I just want to smoke a blunt at my gay friend's wedding while wearing my guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Uh, I, I'll, I'll say this for one of the most, I don't want to call it difficult because it wasn't difficult, but at, at a pretty young age, at like 15, 16, I decided to be race neutral. Like I, I stopped calling myself black and, you know, with my family, that was like a big deal. My mom, you know, um, my Morgan partner, Freeman approach, huh? the Morgan Freeman approach, stop calling yeah, me a white I, man and I'll stop calling you a black man. Yeah. I just, I just, I just try I, as much as possible. I try to stay away from it because I real I didn't know it, but there would be a moment like this where somebody needs to just stop calling people. We need to stop being Hispanic and white and black and just be one. And instead of looking at all these things from these individual microcosms, so you know that black lives matter and all lives matter and blue lives matter, and and, and just move towards a point of having respect for celebrating where we all came from you know, and celebrating being Italian and being German and, and, and coming from some, some place in Africa, but also recognizing that that shit was 400 years ago. I don't know nobody in Africa and neither do you. You don't know nobody in, in, in Italy. Okay? I saw a great, I saw yeah. a great meme that was a, a Caucasian child, like a, you know, two, three-year-old child. And the caption above her face was, if she has to apologize for slavery, then and it had a Asian child, Japanese, then yeah. she needs to apologize for Pearl Harbor. And it's like, how long are we going to harbor these bad moments in our lives, in our history? Right? We can look back on history, and whether you agree or disagree on toppling monuments, we can look back on our history, and we can learn from that and grow and move forward and be one. But it just doesn't serve the purpose of the elites it doesn't serve the purpose of moving forward and, and having red blue having liberal conservative having left right it just yeah. doesn't serve a purpose if if you know, we all just come together you and i had this conversation where it's like our age group the millennials were 
very anti-materialist. We were very conscientious about the environment. We were pretty introspective. We, we generally had a lot of overlapping ideology. And somehow in our lifetime, due to virtue signaling, they have been able to moralize material. And just because somebody changes a logo or they do some political stunt, that means nothing. It's totally hollow. They just said something that was trendy at the time. And they're still abusing people all over the world. But somehow they do that. And it's like this, this gesture that costs them no money is, is it, it, it's healing for all. And it's like, yeah. man, this is just glorification of materialism. It's literally what, what they're preventing us from doing is calling them out. We were Nike. at the point where we were all calling them out. And we were all calling them you know, out for abusing children, you know, profiteering. Just horrible trade practices. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the, the the World Trade Organization riots, you know, and like we were all pretty much like just kind of kind of I don't know. I don't want to say checked out. We all wanted to be successful and want to do well in our careers. But like we understood what the world for what it was. And then somehow we've been pulled into this real weird false dialectic of, well, this person's virtuous and that person's virtuous and you're not. And it's like. No, like they're just basically pitting us all against each other so that we can just stay their consumer slaves. Like it, that's that's what this boils down to. Yeah, that's the irony of of Nike giving a paid holiday on Juneteenth while having sweat labor across the pond. Yeah. <laughs> the Vietnamese kids are gonna like bleed on your shoes that day, you know, and and basically get paid nothing for it. Their entire village is in debt to Nike. It's like they have company stores and stuff over there. That's cool. They said some cool stuff. That's none of that matters. And it's like they put a black uh, photo as their profile for a day. And, you know, like if they did stuff like that, the virtue signal, I wouldn't really care if they were still giving people jobs here and they were still a part of our lives truly as a corporation. But the only reason they're a part of our lives is because they're on our feet. I mean, that's that's it. Uh, Let let me ask one final question uh, uh, before we sign off. And for my audience, that some some of that that is listening, um, the other the other topic that has been a topic, Mr. Um, uh, um, Brooks' death. I'm there. There's so many of them now. I have to. I, it's hard for me. Richard to Brooks. Mr. Mr. Richard Brooks. And Quentin, as a former officer, if someone had taken your taser, and I'm glad you brought this up. Um, and we talked about it on I'm our show with Don Kerstetter. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought this up. What What would be your reaction in that in that situation, and what do you think is right? So, first off, the argument a lot of people are having was the first officer was cool. Well, we'll go back. We'll just start from the whole interaction because it's important. We got to have context, and it's, it's a totality of circumstances, right? So the first officer was cool, and the second one agitated him, and he was an ass. And, and that's true. The second one was kind of an ass. I'm not going to lie. Um, and, you know, but I will say this. Generally, you got you to understand what this guy was in, in prison for, first off. And, and, you know, people say, well, the officers didn't know that. That's not necessarily true. They, they probably did at that point when yeah. they went to arrest him. Um, but, but first off, he does know what he was in prison for. And he does know that he's on parole, the suspect. He, yeah. was in, he was in prison for cruelty to children. I'll tell you, that is not the person you want to be in prison because everyone yeah. generally has kids in there, man, and they hate that. They absolutely yeah. hate that, and they, no matter who they are, I don't care if they're Bloods, Crips, Aryan Brotherhood, uh, 
you know, Latin kings, whomever, they will all come together to make your life miserable for treating kids bad. They, they will unify to hurt you. And um, so he knew that and he wasn't going back. And I can tell you, he wasn't going back because he was afraid. If he'd, have, if he'd have been in there for something else, he might have still been afraid, but he wouldn't have been as afraid, I promise you, because at some point, somebody's going to figure out what you're in there. So you got that going on, right? And the guy was kind of a jerk. They went to arrest him. There was a scuffle. Taser was taken. Taser doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but, but at the same time, people aren't saying this is a big you know, It's not a big deal because he took his taser. The same type of people were like, well, tasers are near lethal force or have been lethal force, which is true. Tasers are a dangerous weapon, okay? I don't make light of it. I never carried one. Um, I, 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 they, they scare me, to be quite honest with you. They scare me for this particular reason. If someone takes my baton, that's a problem, and I probably would pull out my gun too. Spray, I don't know. You know I'd have to make a judgment call. But, but it's harder to do those things and effectively deploy those in close quarters the way you can a taser. So you can close the gap and defend yourself a little better. Taser, is, is, it really does incapacitate you the time you take that ride. And if a person is afraid of going back to prison for a really bad reason and they take your taser, they're not just doing it to incapacitate you and they're going to run off. My, and the reason I know this is, is the guy could have just run off. This, this guy could have just run off. And had he run off, he'd still be alive. Uh, you know, you can shoot a fleeing felon in the back, but me personally as an officer and most officers, even if it's a parole violator, I will chase you down. I was one of the fastest guys out there, and I would chase you down. I have no problem chasing you down. I will chase you down, and I will arrest you. You will go to jail that night. I don't care what I have to do. You're going to jail. I probably won't shoot you in the back unless you have a weapon, a weapon that can incapacitate me or a weapon that could potentially be used against someone. It could kill that person, or you could initiate a hostage standoff in which somebody could be hurt. You could injure a third person, a third person, or mm -hmm. like I said, you could incapacitate me, take my gun, and kill me or kill an innocent third person. Either way, it's a huge liability. I cannot take the risk on you running off with that taser. If a taser goes missing in a war zone that we are involved in, they will go to serious lengths to recover that taser. If, if a radio goes missing, they might just drop bombs. I mean, I'm serious. So like, you know, essential and accountable equipment is no joke. What you can do with it could be extremely dangerous. By definition of law, if we just wanted to throw all of those circumstances aside and you wanted to talk about use of force continuum, use of force continuum states that if you use your fist against me, I can use non-lethal. If you use a weapon of opportunity or a non-lethal against me, I can go lethal for this precise reason. If you incapacitate me, you do have a weapon at that point. And most people don't just take officers' weapons and assault them lightly. It's a felony, right? So this is, this is a huge problem, and the, and, and the use of force continuum allows for the use of deadly force in this particular situation because of the weapons, the totality of the weapons in play. And then it might not just end up with that weapon. It might end up with a firearm, and that could be a real problem. He could run into somebody's house. It could result in the loss of innocent life at that point. Um, so... I would have, I would have shot him. I have to say, I would have shot him. I would have done the same thing. I, you know, wow. I, 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 I would, I would have. Look, I did hostage negotiation. Okay, so I don't feel like if I, I can't say that. I don't want to Monday morning quarterback this guy. I really don't. And I, I talked about this with Don Kerstetter, the guy that was involved with George Floyd. Piece of shit. I, I can't defend him from from a legal standpoint. 
if he gets found guilty for murder, that's going to be really problematic precedent from here on out. And it's going to, a lot of innocent people are going to get wrapped up in some serious, some serious charges. But what he did was awful and something has to be done about that behavior. I, I want to make that clear. That was, that was terrible. That guy is up there with like bin Laden and, and, and like, I mean, he's like a persona non grata worldwide. That, that dude's bad, but I would have probably had to shoot this guy. And I, it's not something I would have wanted to do. I mean, I, and I feel like I could have probably handled it differently. I maybe, I don't know, but like I said, it's hard for us to tell because he knew he abused children and he knew he was going back to prison. He knew right. that not only he was going to be on a parole violation, but he had just had a DWI, a DUI. He made contact with the cop on parole in a way that assaulted the police officer. That's another felon. Okay. So we're stacking charges. He took the gun. He didn't have to take, he didn't have to take the taser. He could have just run off. He would still be here today if he had run off. And, and I can say for 100%, if he would not have taken my weapon and he just ran off, I would not have shot this guy. I would, I would not have done that. I, I don't, I, and even though the law says I can shoot a fleeing felon in the back, I wouldn't have done it in this case. I will chase you down, you know, but you take my gun and I've got to think about everyone in the, the surrounding area and what you could potentially do with that taser or once you've incapacitated me, my gun, I can't even take that risk, you know, because the officer has to, has to live for the rest of their life with letting the public down. And I know people could say, well, they let the public down when he shot that guy. They would have really let the public down when the guy shot him with the taser, took the gun, killed the other cop, and then killed some other person, you know, in a long-term pursuit from the police. Mm-hmm. So it's a bad situation, man. It's just a bad situation all the way around. People can say, oh, I want to I want to disarm the police or we should defund the police. Man, you're going to end up living in a really scary society if you do that. And there's not going to be any accountability. If Umbrella Corp patrols your neighborhood, there would just be another Umbrella Corp. And, and, and a prime example of this is Blackwater. Blackwater became Academy, became Z, and they've got a new name. They've always got a new name. They always will. And that's your Umbrella Corp right there. And that's who's going to patrol your neighborhoods. There's no governmental accountability to you. You can have your chief fired. You can have your mayor fired. You can have officers fired it's all dependent on your city council and your city governance you have a voice in your departments you know but if umbrella corp is your police department you have no voice and they will change names and they will be back to to literally put boots on your neck in the future so you know and you don't want to see a situation like the uk where officers don't have weapons and they they ineffectually respond uh to to situations in the uk all the time that's why it's always a, a knife blood you know, it's like a knife and van bloodbath in the UK. Why did this happen? It's because nobody could shoot him, honestly, because that wouldn't happen here. Yeah. You know, a, a prime video example from Israel. The- you see video from Israel. There was a couple of years back. There was a, a terrorist that took control of a, of a bulldozer and was just plowing through Jerusalem. Yeah. And you see an off-duty IDF with his pistol mount the, the bulldozer and shoot him in the head right there. Just yeah. done. No more. Yeah. And, and well, you saw this with the draw Muhammad, you know, thing here in Texas. Now you say whatever you want about the whole draw Muhammad thing, whether it should have happened or not. The, the bottom line was that terrorists actually did show up with AKs and cops killed them. Otherwise everyone in that building would be dead. And, and so, you know, we would have had a Bataclan or a Hebdo massacre here. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't often see those things play out because police do respond pretty effectively overall. You always hear when the police go wrong. You don't really hear much praise for them when they do. Yeah, well, they, right. they do things right every day. And, and, uh, and they do. And, and I can say that I appreciate the question. It's a really hard question to answer. I hope I didn't offend anybody with my answer. 
that's from a legalistic perspective. Um, it is legitimate. People can say it's immoral. It's not legitimate. Morality has nothing to do with legitimacy. I mean, uh, it's legal under the law and man, you have no idea what this guy could have done. I don't know. It's, it's a bad circumstance, but that, that is, if I was there that night, I would, I would probably not reacted any differently. I probably wouldn't have been such an a-hole to the guy though, to be real honest with you. If I'm taking you to jail, I generally don't want you to fight me, and I generally want you to like me. I'm probably going to talk nice to you until I get you in cuff. I mean, so I saw I saw a different interaction. So I part of me could could agree with you and say that that second police officer that showed up, the one who actually did the shooting, was was acting like a turd. Right? He had an he, attitude. He, he really wasn't. He did have an attitude, but he he really wasn't. He he was he showed up to assist his partner. Yeah. He was trying to expedite this because this had been going on for 30, 40 minutes of questioning and field sobriety. And, and at that point, I know my emotions at that point. I'm like, let's just get this over with. And he well, told they know him, where it's headed. You know, they, they know, know where, where it's headed. headed. And he told him, well, you're going to be arrested. And he reaches around. Second police officer goes to assist and, and, you know, get him in handcuffs. And he reacts. He reacts. So what are you going to do? Like, <sighs> Man, we need we need some more stoic philosophy in life because, yeah, I everything that happens to you is, is your opportunity to react or not react. And we are in such a violent reactionary society right now. Everything is a reaction that that is just exploding. I just saw a video today. I think it's out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. There was a, a shooting, a concealed carrier who was being attacked by protesters someone swung a skateboard at him yeah. and he pulled and he shot him that's what a policeless society is going to look like and then they immediately the West, asked for somebody to call 911 after the guy shot people but they were 12 and defund the police <laughs> like five like literally a few seconds later but i i look i get i get why people are upset about this because it's a chain of events that keep happening and it looks bad i will say that this guy was going to be placed under arrest for a legitimate reason, for a legitimate crime that he committed and, and violated parole on. And if he'd not resisted arrest, he would still be here today. Had he just run away, he probably would have still been. I don't think the officers would have shot him. And, you know, had he not taken the taser, he would still be alive. There was plenty of places that guy could have put the brakes on the situation. And he would be alive in prison. And he wouldn't be dead. You know? What do you think, Trent? Well, from and I and I will take the it, it's it is almost the the black perspective. I will because I I understand. I have many times, many times, even myself, but many times been with my Caucasian friends, been in very 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 similar situations. Um, I have a friend that fell asleep out of wind in the Wendy's drive through. Uh, did, I think everybody's done that at some point. Yeah, actually has done that and was drunk and did not go to jail. So I, I have friends that, um, and I, I don't hate the word white privilege, but he, there, there are a lot of people that are mad that he was even arrested in the first place. And I understand because I can't lie, I know people that have been in much worse and had actually crashed into things and not been arrested because they knew the cop or cop was or what whatever whatever have you so 
just the overall interaction in that he was arrested it 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 he should have been arrested but there's a there, there's a good old boy network that if he had known somebody and and the things were a little different hey man yeah go ahead why don't you go on walk walk around the car get in the car we're gonna take you home have somebody come pick up the car i don't i don't necessarily disagree with you but not as a not as not as somebody who's convicted of child there's no good old boy system for them anywhere in the world well, here's here's the other thing. No, there, there is because I've got a I've got a friend that. Well, I can't I can't say that. Yes, you're right. There is yeah, for for the right people. There's a good old boy system. There's a, I, I will yeah. I will agree with that. Here, but but uh, as a generality, if you don't know anybody and you're a child abuser, like and you're in a situation like that, man, I mean, he start, he just here, here's the thing, and we're talking about I, we obviously he served his time for what happened in 20, 2013. He's out on parole. This situation happens. You know, he was at his child's birthday. And I think that's what everybody misses. The reason this man ran is he'd been serving time. And this was the first time he was going to get to go to a birthday the next day. And then right before his daughter's eighth birthday, the day before, basically the night of, he's, he's, he's arrested. And, he's, and he knows he's going to go to jail. And he knows he's going to disappoint his baby girl one more time. There's, I'm sure that I'm sure there's some of that in there. I mean, I honestly think, look, some I, I'm, I'm about to go to prison, and that's the, my primary. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't want to go to prison because I don't want to not see my daughter again. I don't want to. You know, there's a whole, there's a whole, a whole lot there to unpack about going to prison, right? So, like, but that is a scary point. I mean, that's not invalid. Happens to people that you've already said it. Who knows what happened to him in prison? Oh, bad things. I I promise, if people find out that he, you know, what he did in there, nothing good will happen. I mean, he he has no friends, none. He can't click up. No one will touch him. Like he's he's a persona non grata pariah. And he falls if he falls asleep two more yards away in a parking spot. He's probably not going to jail as opposed to the to the drive-through. So it's a very, very, it's a very, very close thing. And I and I'm sure, you know, in that in that moment, he was thinking about being himself. And I want I want to say this. I would have handled the entire situation differently. Now, it, it, when He's when you ask me the height. question, yeah, exactly, exactly. I would have handled the entire situation differently from what how I many, saw. How many fights have we gotten with our spouses, our children, I, and we would have handled it differently? I mean, I, we're, we're I talking know. about an emotional and visceral reaction right. to it, it's a, illogical, it's an incapacitated thinking. It, it's, a, it's an on-the-spot, split-second decision. I can, and I can say 100%, having watched it and Monday morning quarterback it, if I was put in that situation, now that I sell this, I would have handled it differently. But at the, t- at the same time, the question of as being asked to me, if someone takes your taser, do you shoot? Uh, unequivocally, yes. I, I, I have to. I, I have to. Uh, it, now, the whole situation, I would have probably, like I said, I would have probably handled it differently. Um, but, but like Sal says, that's that's easy for me to say right now. You know, in the spot, it's 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 hard for me to say. And I don't like Monday morning quarterback and cops, other than Derek Chauvin, which I I think that that, that I, we've talked about that. Well, I, think that I actually think he was justified in in shooting him, which is. I think if he was in his legal right. However, I'll, I also put that he should be fired because I don't think that cop felt that he was an intimate danger to himself 
Um, you could have set up a perimeter. There's a lot of other things that can you can do. I'd, I'd have to disagree with that. I'd have to disagree. I do see where you're coming from, though. Like, but but I mean, I mean, he's somebody, running. somebody points a taser at me. I, I, I feel I, my, I go immediately to my, you know, fight or flight, right? And I'm going to fight. That's just my nature. And I'm thinking, I'm about to become incapacitated. This guy's going to have a gun and kill my partner. That, that's what, and, and, and I, trust me, I've been in these types of situations before. And I promise you, that's immediately what goes through your mind. I, and, and which is why I don't think he should be, that's why I don't think he should charge, be charged. I also think that, that cops, instead of being taught to shoot to kill, need to be taught to shoot to maim. Shoot people in the mm. lane, and I know that's hard. I hear, and I always hear that's hard. That's yeah, hard. That's, that's hard for so many reasons. It's hard for so many reasons, but you can try. A moving target that's you know four or five inches around. Well, it, it's it's hard because it could go wrong. The heat of a moment, like it, it could go wrong, and, and right, you could shoot somebody else. It, it, there yeah. were so many people in that drive-through. Yeah, but you could also shoot, and you could shoot towards the ground instead of shooting at his ricochet. Yeah, so mean, let me give you let me give you another example. Let me let me let's let's play this out because like I, I I've heard of this a lot and I'll be honest with you I would not recommend that but I, I can see why people would. So let's say it was just that guy, right? It was just that guy arresting him, and the policy is, and he has training muscle memory to shoot to main, right? They go basically into a duel, and the guy runs away, turns around, draws taser on him. He shoots him in the leg or the arm. It's very unlikely it'll hit the hand or the arm that he's aiming the taser with. That's that's a very small target. No, no, a lot of dynamics like, there. Not, not so the he, arm, shoot, he yeah. shoots him in the leg. The guy tases him, right? He, he gets hit with the taser. That dude's dead. That dude's dead. He's dead because he's already shot the guy. That guy's mad. That guy has just had an attempt on his life. That's how I would feel about it, getting shot in the leg. He's got the officer down on the taser. The, the guy could just kill him by riding over again. Or he just grabs his gun and shoots him in the head. Now he's got yeah. a gun tuning. Because, because we don't know that it will incapacitate somebody when you shoot them in a leg. I do know if I shoot you in the heart, it will. I, I agree. But we're also not taking into account. Quentin, I think we're missing that. The guy is, yes, he shoots the taser at him. But he shoots the taser at him running backward. Like this, he doesn't stop and aim and turn and shoot the taser, which is why right. he's in the back. No, I, I and I get that, and you know that. And like, that's, I, I, no, I, I, no, I get it, dude. I get it. it it's just that the only reason, the only reason that, because I, I, I do understand what you're saying, but the, the reason we're even able to have this argument is because we weren't there. Yeah, and, and when somebody turns around at all and and shoots at you, I can just tell you, man, uh, from from experience that this is this is one of those experiences that. It's a, it's a reaction. You, 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 it's just, it's just instinct and it's reaction. And it's, and if you train, if you train to avoid that natural instinct, it's going to get a lot of officers killed, I guess is my only point. I agree. I agree. You have to, things can happen so, so fast, which is why I I felt bad. And I I feel a little bad for the officer because his, his life is actually probably going to be ruined. It's ruined. Yeah. to, to, To some extent. But I think in the moment, I mean, you got to just, and he was being kind of a dick. I think in the moment with everything going on, we got to step back, even in a, even as a police officer, you got to step back and know what situation that you're in and say, you know, whether that guy has a stick or a knife or a taser, he's about the same level as threat. Can I let him get away? Can I, can we set up a perimeter and stop him? You know, I understand. Well, there's even if you did that, and and like, because I, I, 
I understand where you're coming from. And, and that's, that's always everyone's like, look, nobody wants to kill anybody. To be honest with you, I'm sure there's cops that join because they want to shoot somebody. Okay. Like I, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Like there's people who do join that are like that. Um, but the overwhelming majority don't, and they don't want to fire their gun. And most people don't even really train with their weapon all that much. Cause they just really don't even want to have to use it to be honest with you. They don't even want to have to think about it. But so what if the cordon fails? Cause like I've, I've seen a cordon fail and you know, it, it's ugly when it does. And, you know, a person's got a taser now and maybe somebody's trying to get in their car and they hold them hostage, they carjack them or there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of unknowns. And if yeah. the cordon fails, then you are responsible. And, and, and so this is what you got. to And this is this is maybe a, a big problem. This is maybe a big problem. And the cop has to think, do I want to res- be responsible for shooting this guy? And I know I've got a good shoot. Or do I want to be responsible for an innocent third person being killed? Because because you're going to be held responsible for that too. You can be held responsible by a a, a jury of your peers to a legitimate shoot, or you can be held responsible for an innocent person's death. And you're going to be sued by that family. Why didn't you stop them? And yeah, you're going to be sued and you're going to be held responsible. So I honestly think that the guy would probably still be alive had that officer not had the fear, had the good faith principle been applied to that situation, which never will be and never will be applied. The public, there will always be public outrage when the police let somebody down or allow some criminal to get one of their weapons and hurt somebody. But had that officer not been afraid of that, you know, he's got backup. It's, it is unlikely that he's going to die in this situation, right? Yeah. Maybe the guy would be here. I don't know. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know if I want to be in a society where I can't be held accountable for letting the public down and allowing some criminal to kill an innocent person. I don't know that I want to live in that society either. And so it's, it's kind of like it, either one of them is kind of a poison pill for, for us to swallow. So and, and society just got to ask themselves that question. Do we want to live in a society where cops can't be held accountable for letting you down? Because that, that same argument would apply to the coward of Broward, so-called, the, the guy that let everyone down at the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Stoneman uh, Douglas shooting. Yeah, Stoneman Douglas, because he yeah. could say, well, I didn't want to go in there because, you know, if I did and I accidentally hit a child, you know, I didn't want to be held accountable for that. I mean, there's a lot of arguments based on that precedent we're talking about there that could have been applied to Stoneman Douglas. And that guy would have been allowed to keep his job, and the public would have no recourse against that guy. I think we can all agree that what he did was pretty cowardly and awful. Well, there's and, such an uh, unintended consequence that we talked about this on, on our latest episode. If you're still watching us, you can go over to the newnormalpod.com, newnormalpod.com, and you can check out episode 16. Uh, we talked to Don Kerstetter about this, this very topic, and it's the unintended consequences. So many police officers are resigning just straight up walking off the force. They're not even going through the HR department. They're not going through their exit interview. They're just, I mean, for all intents and purposes, figuratively speaking or not, they're hanging up the badge. And why wouldn't they? And, and maybe this I, is a result of that. Like they, they want this. They want to disband. They want to dig. Well, I, I said that in a post. Quit. I, I said that in a post the other day. I said, you know, a lot of people are, and look, I, I don't always necessarily agree with no knock warrants. I don't make that very clear. I do not like the direction police have gone. I've been complaining against it. I'm complaining about it since before I became a cop. I complained about it when I was a cop. So, but at the same time, the cops seem to get all the blame for when a no-knock goes wrong, but really the judges signed off on that. And you know as a judge the implications behind this no-knock warrant that people could get hurt or killed. Some of these are the same activist judges that actually hate the police. 
And so sometimes the obstacle is the way, right? We talk about this as a, as a principle of philosophy. You want the cops to go away. You don't like them or you want to punish them because you're an activist judge. You sign off on this warrant knowing they could act heavy-handedly, and no one is ever going to question that you sign off on it. They're always just going to go after the easy target. It's a low-hanging fruit. And so it accomplishes some of these objectives, and nobody ever questions these judges that allow this crap to go on in their, in their jurisdiction. And that's a problem, too. Or the mayors um, of the city council or the, the Democratic governors. But, I mean, it's a lot. Yeah. I, I want to make it very clear that I have a very nuanced approach and understanding of police work. I don't always just knee jerk to, to defend cops. Okay. Because, uh, you know, to be very honest with you, if I go back to law school, which is very, uh, very probable, I, I probably would be a, a criminal defense attorney. And most people would find that very reprehensible, but I probably would be a criminal defense attorney. Um, b- because I do understand that, that, you know, everyone deserves their fair shake. Everyone deserves a day in court. Like I truly hold that as a tenant. Uh, in, in my life, like everyone deserves to be heard and have their day in court and have fair representation. I probably would be a criminal defense attorney. So when I say this about these police officers and I, I make these statements that I would have acted similarly or I would have just totally condemned and not, it's, it's I've really thought about the subject. I don't just blanketly – and there's a reason I'm not a cop. And it's because I just, I just didn't – that's not how I wanted to spend my life. As much as I love serving and, and I, I really did love my jurisdiction. Uh, and, and the, the, the district that I served, I, I just, it, it's not how I wanted to spend my life. I wanted to pursue other things and more intellectual, uh, pursuits. And, uh, and so I just decided to part ways with it, but I wanted to serve and that's why I did it. Um, but, but at the same time, like I will criticize you and I will call you out if you deserve it. I'm, I'm not going to just hold back because you and I share some sort of bond of, 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 you know, occupation. I'm not that guy. Gentlemen, that's all I got. I appreciate the, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the evening and I appreciate the honest answer, Quentin. Yeah, man, I, I'm, I hope I didn't offend anybody or lose any, any fans tonight. I mean, it's just. Oh, you did. You offended. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Hey, no, man. I, Hey, in the black community, a criminal uh, attorney, I could just tell you, is 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 actually an honorable thing. So you'll you'll have some friends. You'll have some friends there. Yeah, and I'm dead serious about that. I'm probably going to go back, to, and this is this will shock some people. I'm probably going to go back to school uh, for law. I'm I'm going to get a law degree, and I'm I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to be a, a, a an attorney for unions, or I'm going to be an attorney for for criminals. And 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 people would find that very shocking because I'm they're like, well, he's a pretty conservative guy. Yes. I am. I'm pretty, I'm personally a pretty conservative guy, but there's some, there's some things that, you know, I, I have a nuanced view of. Oh man. And thank you so much for joining us again. This was a very quick and impromptu live Facebook, uh, on the new normal. Uh, thank you for sharing it on yours. Uh, your audience, you always get a lot of reactions and a lot of comments on, on your posts and your videos. So it's a pleasure to have you on. Hopefully really we can appreciate get this it, on your, on your page. And, uh, if you're interested, you can check us out at newnormalpod.com. You can find us on your favorite podcasting, uh, platform. My name is Sal. That's Quentin. That's the Trenton Cannon. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great night. Good night, gentlemen. Thanks. Thanks, guys.